Welcome to Emerging, the official podcast of the Trout Unlimited and Costa Five Rivers program, brought to you by Sims Fishing Products. Emerging is about enabling the young angling community to drive progress in the fly fishing industry and the conservation of the places we love to fish. My name is Joseph Burney, and will be your host along with Andrew Lafredo. For this episode, we got a chance to talk with Simon and Charlie Perkins about their family business, Orvis, and their deep roots in the fly fishing community. We hope you enjoy. Well, we made it to episode 13. I just realized every time I introduce an episode, I say we made it, but we did. It's episode 13, and I'm super excited to have on the podcast uh, for this episode, Charlie and Simon from Orvis, um, which is a special, special connection for me. That's Orvis was my introduction as a high schooler, getting introduced to fly fishing, and um, we're super ha- happy to have y'all on. Uh, what an amazing uh, group of y'all, um, and y'all are really connected to Five Rivers, and it's been really awesome. Having uh having y'all support us, uh, so thanks for coming on, guys. Yeah, it's awesome, awesome to be on with you. So before we uh, dive in, uh, I think that it'd be really important to kind of learn where for people who might not know, Orvis is a is something that I think everyone that listens to this podcast know about. But for for y'all, what's what's y'all's uh, origin of the brand and um how did y'all get involved in the outdoors and fly fishing yeah i'll um i'll just i'll introduce it quickly and then i'll let charlie speak to some of the history um what's orvis is it's a it's over 150 years old um it's kind of fun to think of it as a startup back in the 1850s because um because a lot of kind of what we do today is in this very same spirit. Well, almost all of it is. It's um, that's why it's fun to think about. So back in 1856, there was this guy named Charles Orvis who in Manchester, Vermont, which is where Charlie and I are right now. Uh, he, uh, he had something really special that meant a ton to him and made his life happier, healthier, more meaningful. And that was fly fishing. And he wanted to, uh, he wanted others to experience that same thing. So started making fly rods and he started selling fly rods. And that's how, uh, that's how this whole thing started. And, and, uh, just, just down the road from, from where Charlie and I are sitting right now, which is kind of cool to think about. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, in 1965, our grandfather, uh, Lee, uh, uh, purchased, uh, the company. Um, and he, he had a huge love of fly fishing and, and hunting, um, which was helped fostered by his, his mother, actually, his mom would take him on all these hunting and fishing trips. Um, and he had a really close connection, uh, to his mom through the love of dogs and the love of fishing and the love of, love of hunting. Um, and so when the opportunity came to purchase orvis, he was pretty excited about it. And Orvis was already a mail uh, order catalog, um, but he really focused on growing that business. Um, 
he was also really focusing on introducing people to fly fishing. So he developed within a year, I think, of buying Orvis, he uh, developed uh, the first fly fishing school um, in the United States. Uh, and um, and yeah, he, he, he developed the 5% for nature um, and really just started growing the company, growing the company from there. Yeah. And it's cool to hear that conservation is something that is in the, in the DNA and in the roots of Orvis because y'all are so involved in it now. And that's really cool to see that that all came from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we could, we could pivot for a second to conservation just because it's kind of interesting. I mean, there's, it, we can come back to we didn't we can come back to answering the rest of your question, which is what it was like growing up because it was pretty it was a very unique and I think Charlie and I feel lucky on a number of levels. But if if we think about conservation, it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of history for Orvis and conservation. I know, you know, when when Charlie and I were growing up, I think we were very fortunate that um, that concept for us was really there from day one. Um, that's what fly fishing and, and hunting was for us was it was a activity that helped you fall in love with a species and learning about a species and understanding a species and then, and the places, the habitat that they are in. And then once you fall in love with something, then um, you, you're, you, you really want to protect it, right? You want it to yeah. be around forever for you to enjoy, for others to enjoy. So that was kind of always there. And we watched, you know, we had our grandfather there who, um, who, he was always just as interested in learning about and protecting a species as he was going after it, right? Chasing it, catching it, hunting it. Um, and we saw the same thing with our dad, our uncles, everyone in our family. Um, and, uh, and that, you know, this kind of comes back to the other question, which is, um, you know, Orvis, Orvis has always been a business, but more than anything, it's, it's really kind of been the, the, the backdrop for our family, right? So a lot of these beliefs that kind of are very personal, they were kind of an ethos for the company, right? So this, so the, the company adopted really early on this idea that if we're going to benefit from the use of our natural resources, we need to be really willing to act to protect them. And so in, in early on, I think it was, I think Charlie, I think it was the eighties that our grandfather started 5% of conservation. He was one of the first to really give a percentage of profits to uh, a nonprofit conservation organization. And it's been really cool hearing about others who've either have been inspired by our grandfather or been inspired by Orvis. Cause you see more and more doing that now, which is, which is awesome. And then in the nineties, um, you know, our, our dad perk and our uncle Dave, ran the company and they did a lot of things from growing the retail presence to into dealers and to starting orvis.com and and a lot of really exciting stuff there and on the conservation front they started matching grants which um which is this just inviting customers to participate i think customers have always viewed us as a trusted resource to help them point in the right direction as far as what gear to buy or how to think about stuff or how to learn the sport of fly fishing, but also how to protect things. And so we would put up, uh, we would say, Hey, this issue is really important. And the customers would say, awesome. I want to, I want to step up and I want to be a part of this. I want to put skin in the game with you. And so, and, and we've, you know, over through the matching grants, um, you know, 
our, our customers have donated millions over the years, which is really exciting. Um, you know, on average, we every year we support about 170 different conservation projects and partners, um, including TU, TU Headwaters, um, Five Rivers, all these, you know, there's, there, there's so much great stuff going on. And so it's, it's awesome to kind of, to kind of get, get behind that and support it. Um, but I don't know, Charlie, you want to talk for a second about, uh, what it was like to, to grow up with in, in, in a family that kind of was Orvis? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we were kind of joking about this early, earlier, but, um, you know, I, I feel like there was never any pressure for me to fish or hunt. Um, but I also say in the same breath that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's cliche, but like fly fishing and, and hunting wasn't a hobby for our family. It was all around us at all times. Um, you know, vacations, time off. Um, it was always kind of either with, uh, chasing bird dogs around or, or with a, um, with a, with a rod in our hands. Um, Simon, Simon and I were joking that like, we didn't, I think we were, must've been in middle school or, or, you know, early high school. No, it must've been in middle school by the time we realized that other people actually go on trips and vacations and it's not fully centered around fly fishing. They'll actually hang out on the beach and relax for a little bit. That was all news to us. So we actually convinced our parents to take us to, uh, Disney World one year for one of our vacations. And after doing that, we realized how much we actually preferred the fishing and hunting trips. So we kind of pivoted back there pretty quick. But yeah, yeah, yeah just, I, fishing Charlie, and hunting was all around us. Charlie, I remember coming back from some some trips. Like you you'd come back after Chris after a break from school and you'd just be exhausted because we just kind of You'd be waking up, you'd be fishing or hunting all day, and you'd be doing that for seven days. And most people would come back rejuvenated. I think, you know, yeah. Charlie and I would come back exhausted from school breaks sometimes. I'm surprised that that trip to Disney World, y'all were right there by uh, Mosquito Lagoon, pretty much, and no one, no one, uh, y'all didn't end up over there by the end of it. Charlie, Charlie did some pretty, uh, pretty crazy things at the Indiana Jones ride where he got a pistol but and and with the bullwhip and everything but at, but like he said we quickly realized that we wanted we wanted to go back to the to the old types of family vacations yeah so you're saying mickey mouse wasn't as entertaining as a tar pit yeah not not quite not quite <laughs> i never understood the all right like i'm gonna go to the beach it's like well what are you gonna do oh, i'll probably just like sit in the chair like and tan and hang out it's like doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's true. And then, you know, and then it, of course it played into, played into our adolescence. Right. I remember, I think my first, the first job I ever got paid for, I was in kindergarten and it was on a Saturday morning and my friend and I were on our hands and knees. They, they, they in the store, they had the, they had the, the, where they, the, the, where the fly display, where they sold all the flies, they had it carpeted underneath. And so there are all these flies that would fall out when people were picking them out, all these tiny nymphs and stuff, and they get stuck in the carpet. And so in, in kindergarten, I had a one Saturday, I think, I think my dad paid me and my friend, I think it was a quarter an hour to go pick with hemostats to pick the flies out of the carpet. And like 30 minutes into it, I think when we realized we had, been, we had made 12 cents, we're like, this is, 
this is this is a bad deal. We need to renegotiate or something. But that was that was that. And then you know, my one of one of my first real jobs was um, working in the in the rod factory making making fly rods. They that's where they that's where they stashed me. They let Charlie get out on the on the selling floor. Your Charlie, your first job was was on the selling floor selling stuff to to customers, right? Yeah, yeah. They they made you go through all the hard stuff. So you were. So, you were working in the rod factory and I got to go hang out with the customers. And, and I think it was one year I was teaching fly fishing and the next year or one year I was, um, uh, working in the, in the, in the, in the store selling rods and the next year was given fly fishing lessons. So I appreciate you, uh, you working in the factory. Yeah. No problem. And then, and then the other, the other cool, you know, and so that just kind of like Charlie said, it was, it was kind of a way of life. And so it just kind of felt like we, we both worked at endorsed lodges throughout summers, you know, these outfitters and lodges. And so it was awesome, whether it was scraping pond scum or taking, or, or, you know, starting to guide when we were, when we had our guide license, when I graduated, I moved out to Montana. Charlie was at Colorado college. He'd drive up in the summers and live in my basement. We, we'd guide together throughout the summers on the Smith river, on the Blackfoot river, on the Missouri river. So it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, we, it was, we feel, we both feel really, really fortunate that like Charlie said, nothing was ever forced on us, but it was always there. And we just, you just kind of, when you're born with a fly rod in your hand, you kind of just run with it because yeah. you know how, how, how awesome it is. What an amazing experience to, to have as a, a kid growing up to like, have that, like you said, you have that opportunity right in front of, right in front of you to um, explore the outdoors and, your family had such a deep understanding of it already that you could just soak up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, being kids, sometimes we probably took it for granted. Like when I was on my hands and knees digging flies out of the carpet, I don't know if I was thinking how awesome it was at the time, but looking back on it, it was, I was, I was pretty damn lucky to have, to, to have that opportunity. Totally. How was that then affected Simon? I know uh, you have kids now how you have uh, raised them and what your uh, ethos is for that. Yeah, it's an interesting question. And the, the I'm still learning how to be a confident parent every single day, right? So the <laughs> last thing I have are any answers. But to, to, to the point Charlie made earlier, one thing I learned that I really valued and that I want to bring as a parent that I try to bring is, is, um, is that – the, the experience with fly fishing, it's, so I have a six-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son that, that fly fishing, that experience outdoors and their future in it, that's theirs. It's not mine to, to own and dictate like that, that, that kind of defeats the purpose. It's theirs. And so, um, it's really important for me to support however they want to come into it at whatever pace from whatever angle, um, uh, and let them run with it because they might fall in love with a different aspect of it than I did. Right. And they might run with it faster and in more in, in, in wilder and cooler ways than Charlie or I did. And and so what's fun, what's awesome about fly fishing is that kids can get into it however they want. They can get into it from chucking rocks into a river to turning some over to fly tying, to, to whipping a line, to line around to casting. Right. And, and, just letting them not forcing it upon them, but 
putting it in front of them. They're going to fall in love with what they're going to fall in love with. And then they're going to run with it. And then just being there to kind of try to keep up with them and then try to get home before the meltdown happens. That's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of how I'm trying to play it. And, or if I can't make it happen, I just send one of them off fishing with Charlie and they come back with huge smiles on their face. Yeah. The cool uncle. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great, great role to play. Just get them all excited. And then when the wheels start falling off, you can bring them back ready for nap. <laughs> that's amazing. Shifting into more of the present, um, COVID has definitely changed the world we know. What have y'all had to do at Orvis to kind of pivot um, to to this COVID environment? I know um, y'all did a lot of the like kids series and stuff like that, and y'all have all your online media, which is super helpful, um, already set up pre-COVID, the how-to um, websites and stuff, but what else uh, did y'all have to do to pivot to this new environment we're living in? Well, you, I mean, Joseph, you, you hit on a big part of it, which was, so COVID hit and the world changed, right? Um, and so I think what was really helpful was we stopped, stepped back, we quickly said, okay, how do we have to adapt to safely meet our customers' needs? And how do we how do we keep employees safe? How do we keep customers safe? That was most important. And then also, how can we show up in a really meaningful way? Um, and so, those first couple of weeks after after COVID came into all of our lives, um, we we saw a really interesting opportunity emerge. So we've been listening to and connecting with customers, well, forever. But and for the last decade decade, we've been hearing. Um, some pretty consistent things from them, um, from all from all anglers. Um, you know, part of what we do is try to get out there and really listen. And so, um, one thing we heard that people really valued was building a platform of trust, nurturing relationships, um, and and really kind of being a resource, um, which includes content, entertainment, education. And so, we've kind of been doing that for a while and building that up. So we we. We, we had all these things in place for when COVID hit. And, and, you know, when you think back on it, we have our free FF 101 fly fishing classes in our retail stores. We have our online learning center, which is free. We have the blog, which is how-to content. We have podcasts, which talks a lot about, um, about different techniques and tactics and stuff. And we have our trips in schools. So when, when, when COVID hit, we really kind of focused on – the trust and the connection that we had built up with the customer that we knew was really valuable to them and really meaningful. And then they were quickly telling us how much they really valued it right then and there. And so we leaned into that um, kind of meeting customers where they were meeting fly anglers where they were with, 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 with all of that. And, and, and it just, it took off. The engagement just took off. It was, it was, it was pretty amazing to see all this, the stuff we had been building up that people have been using all of a sudden there was just this huge, really important demand for it. Um, Charlie, I don't know if you want to, you want to talk for a second about that, that series that, that Joseph mentioned or some of the, some of the specific stuff we worked on. Yeah. Yeah. I think kind of building off what you were saying now, you know, during COVID was a time where we felt probably more disconnected to our customers than ever before. You know, they couldn't come into our stores with us. Um, we felt disconnected to other employees at Orvis. Just everything was just kind of so remote. So we we kind of took this time to try to connect with them 
even more with what they're going through. So uh, one of the things that um, that I worked on was, you know, everyone's at home with their dogs right now and, and being home with your dog for, you know, 12 hours more a day is a new experience. So, you know, and something that people haven't dealt with before. So I did a series on how you can actually better work alongside your dog and how you can kind of give them little tasks to do throughout the day to keep them focused and entertained. So they're not just always, you know, putting their head in your lap and, you know, kind of doing what all dogs do that we love, which can be a little bit annoying sometimes. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that we realized our customers were going through was a lot of their children, um, their summer camps are being canceled and, and all the, a lot of the summer activities um, were, were being canceled. So, you know, we started the Orvis summer camp um, and we, you know, had a lot of fun doing that, but it was really kind of just trying to look through the lens of our consumers and our customers and trying to figure out like, what are they struggling with and how do we, how do we help them through these times? Yeah, totally. And with you mentioning the dogs, I can't, I can't help but wonder, um, dogs are a huge part of Orvis. Um, I love following your Instagram and seeing, uh, Rami and, um, I have a lab as well. And, I would, I would love, are there any really good stories from having dogs around the office, uh, up there? Oh, there are a lot. Um, there are a lot of fun stories. Um, some of the, some of the, some of the funner stories are, you know, we, 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 we try to be really re respectful of people getting their work done. So there's a lot of rules that kind of you know, monitor how, how, what you can do with your dogs. And, but, but a, a couple of times, you know, someone will go off to a meeting and, and the dog will somehow sneak out of their, their, their pot or wherever they are. And you'll kind of look up from your desk and you'll just see kind of like a dog sneaking around. around. <laughs> so that's, that's always pretty fun. Cause then you, you know, go grab the dog, give him a treat and bring them back to where they need to go. Um, but you know, there's been not, there's been a lot less issues than I would have thought. Um, very, no, no dog fights. Um, everyone takes really, really good care of their dogs. And I know it's, it's great. It's really great to have so many dogs in the building. I know that whenever I'm struggling or with anything, I can just, you know, go walk over to the closest dog and tell them they're a really good boy or girl. And I immediately feel better. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny. We had a, uh, we had a, a long-term employee, uh, uh, say that it was, it was like today's, it was like, it was the equivalent of what the smoking break used to be 20 years ago, right? Where everyone would go on break, they'd go outside and they'd, they'd uh, share a cigarette today at Orvis, you know, at 10 o'clock, you have five or six or 10 people going outside with their dogs. And you, so you see a bunch of people and dogs messing around outside and it's just, it's a chance to stop, you know, take that breath get centered, connect with what's meaningful. Like Charlie said, you know, you always do your best dog or your best work when you have a dog at your feet. So that's amazing. Speaking of dogs, um, dogs are a big part of, I think fly fishing and, and bird hunting, bird hunting a little more. So it, if y'all could pick one of the two, you couldn't do the other one. Like you had to pick one or the other to do for the rest of your life. Which, which one would you pick? Charlie, you go, you go. Yeah. Well, well, of course I don't have as easy of an answer as you might like. Um, 
but I think that I get asked this question a fair amount. And for me, the easiest way to think about it is just to talk about what I like about each one. And then I can kind of get to an answer at the end. But I think what I like about both of them is that to be good at either one of the sports, um, it requires like a really intimate connection with nature. Um, so with fly fishing, probably more than hunting, actually, you need to know like the temperature in which, in which insects um, hatch and you really have to be connected to nature. And, and so, and if, if you're not, you'll still have fun and you'll enjoy it. But I think what separates, you know, the good fishermen from the excellent fishermen and the good hunters and the excellent hunters is their kind of knowledge of, of nature and, and the animals they're pursuing. Um, so I think that's really fun for me. It's just like, you know, I feel like I've, I have so much more ahead of me as far as learning about fly fishing and hunting. It's, it's pretty exciting. Um, so the learning and the connection to nature is a huge one. Something I love about both of them. But I, with something with hunting, I really love the dog work. Um, I think seeing a dog make a, a really great point or really nice retrieve um, is, is incredibly rewarding. Um, I also love the like the harvesting and the preparation of wild game. I love eating wild game. Uh, it's delicious. So that that aspect of it is is really nice. I also feel like whenever I'm hunting, I'm usually exercising, and I don't yeah. do enough exercising. So I, I love that I can get a little exercise in there as well. Um, I don't know, but then fishing. I don't know. There's some. There's you put me in a boat you know on a summer afternoon when fish are looking up and you know there's nowhere else i'd rather be um it's so i don't know super relaxing for me allows me to kind of connect reflect a little bit more you know you don't have the loud explosions of, of, of guns going off so it gets you brings you a little closer to nature that way um yeah i, I don't know i i think I'd, i think i'd probably have to to lean to fly fishing especially right now as I look outside my window and we've got like four feet of snow stacked up. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for spring. I, I, I mean, Charlie basically gave, gave my answer as well. I mean, with the hunting, there's, there's nothing better than watching, especially a young dog start to get it because you have this, you have this four legged member of your family that's helping you connect with the outdoors in a way that you'd never be able to on your own. Right. And that's really special. And then and just working with the dogs and watching them grow up and build and grow in confidence. And then they start teaching you stuff. It's, it's really, really special. And, you know, and with fly fishing, like Charlie said, when, you know, it's such an amazing sport because you're sitting there and there's just so much to get lost in as far as this connection. And there's so much, that can be taught to you every single, it doesn't matter how many years, you know, our grandfather, how old is our grandfather? Charlie, is he 93? Yeah. So, and he keeps track of every day he hunts and fish fishes. I, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago, he clocked in that. Um, I think he was still up around 250 days a year. So he's been wow. doing it. He's been doing his entire life. He's still doing it to that extent. We can barely keep up with him. But, you know, he's, he's even saying that he's going out and learning something every single day. And so when you have something that can teach you that many days of your life, it's 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 pretty crazy to think about. That's a, And that's a it's a very special thing to be a part of. It helps you realize that this world we're a part of is so much bigger than us. Right. And you can really appreciate it. And I think that that has a reason of why people have gravitated towards these pursuits, especially in, during COVID. 
because you're able to get outside. You're able to continue to engage yourself because to be honest, I I've been doing school over zoom and teams and different, uh, different things. And I, I still, I don't find it engaging and it's really tough to engage yourself in that manner, like as a human being, but to, to insert yourself into the outdoors, like you're saying, it's invaluable. No, you nailed it. And this is exactly what we talked about. I mean, think about, think about the everyday forms of connection that people suddenly lost in their lives, right? Whether it's concerts, farmers markets, hitting the bar the way they used to, you know, um, uh, all that all of a sudden was just gone. And human, humans are, they're an interesting species. Like, I'm a natural introvert, but we are absolutely all about connection, right? And so like, that's just, that's naturally what we do um, and what we pursue and what we crave. And, and um, all that was lost. Like we had these things we relied on. Maybe we didn't even realize we relied on and all of a sudden they were gone. And so people were looking for um, ways to, to connect to something meaningful that was really going to breathe life back into their everyday world and the outdoors let's take fly fishing for example it was it was a safe way to satisfy that 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 craving and whether it was an activity to help with stress relief or self-care or um something to really lean into to teach challenge yourself with to go after or something to just to just to learn um you know it really it we we know it i mean it really is a uh an activity a sport that can lead to a complete lifestyle change. And I think people needed something and all of a sudden they really realized, wow, they realized how special fly fishing is because of the connection that it provides, provides for you. And, and, and like I said, 2020 kind of created this void and fly fishing was, there are plenty of other outdoor sports too, but fly fishing was certainly something that filled that void for a lot of people. So Simon, just kind of based on that too, um, I know at least in Colorado, I might be citing this wrong, uh, but I believe 300,000 new anglers have joined the ranks of Colorado active sales of licenses, first time anglers in the state. You know, how's that affected kind of the fly fishing business? Have you kind of also seen that boom uh, in the hunting side of things to hunting participation? Yeah. Yeah. We've, we, we've seen it in, 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 we've seen it everywhere. Um, uh, it, it, you know, I think people got a chance to step back and really re-examine the priorities in their life. Where were they committing their time and energy? And you got a chance to really think about what was most important and then lean into that. Right. Um, and I might be, we might be dating ourselves here. Jo- Joseph, I don't, I don't know if I'm sure you've seen this movie, but it's going to sound really old. I mean, the last time we saw the, fly, the last time the fly fishing world saw something like this, a surge like this was when a river runs through, it dropped. Um, the and movie. the industry thought, everyone thought fly fishing was cool. It was a cool hip thing to do. And, um, there was this, there was this mini boom. Um, this, the, the surge in the last 11, 12 months feels similar in kind of it's, it's overall swell, but different in that we, we believe it's going to be more sustainable. It's going to be, it's got, it's kind of here to stay. Right. Um, this is about something that truly makes your life healthier and better. Right. Um, uh, back then, and this is all arguable, right. But back then it was something that was cool and unique and different. 
now it's something I think it's viewed as as that, but also something that's healthy, that's meaningful, that brings purpose. Um, and that that's that there's some power in that, right? And and so we've seen a huge influx of new participants. We've seen people that have gone and gotten their gear out of their closet. Maybe it's been in there for the last uh, eight years. We've also seen people who've been fly fishing. All of a sudden, this was their chance to really kind of go after it more. And it was really fun to be there um, in all those different ways, right? We can be there for them with the product. We, we've got a lot of new product that we're excited about. Um, and then, uh, and then we can also be there with kind of with all the engagement we have, um, the content, the education. Um, so, so that was, that was really special. I don't know, Charlie, I don't know if you'd, you've had anything to add or, or anything that you've seen that I missed. No, I, I think you, uh, I think you covered it covered it pretty well. And fly fishing, I feel like, is more um, inclusive and there's lower barriers to entry than there ever have been. Like you were saying back when, like, I think it's funny. I, I listen to a bunch of other podcasts and uh, they'll have guests on and something they'll reference back to is like, oh, like, in reference to like the movie being a river runs through it. Like when did you start fly fishing and was it part of that? But back then I feel like it, it wasn't, there weren't as many resources available. People saw this movie and they, if they could afford it, you book a guide or a trip or go somewhere. And now we have, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast of now we have YouTube, Instagram, um, all these different resources available. Like I, I completely learned how to fly fish through YouTube and online resources available to me. And also by the time that like, if you really want to get into it, you can trout fish with a cheap setup. Like you, you can, you can make it happen and you can make it happen for a, an, an easy and attainable cost now where it used to be pretty expensive to, get yourself rigged up to get on the river and fly fish? Well, it was expensive. It was kind of intimidating, right? It was like this whole other language that you kind of had to learn. Yeah. Right. That, that we talked again, I talked about how we, we spend a lot of time listening to customers, people that fly fish that love fly fishing, also those who kind of want to get into it, but haven't. And they're, there were tons of people back then that said they were just, they were intimidated to walk into a fly shop because sometimes they would, and they didn't know how excited people were to see them there if they knew nothing about fly fishing. I think you're right, Joseph. I think a lot of that has changed. You know, we were, it's something we really, really care about. Um, you know, our, our, just through our, our retail stores alone, this doesn't count all the, all of our dealers, all the independent fly shops that also participate in our FF 101 programs. But those are free, just our free classes alone. We've, we've taught over 250,000 people to fish for free. Um, and, and, you know, I think the way we look at it is when you help, again, when you help people fall in love with this thing, again, it was, it was one of the first things our grandfather did when he bought it was start schools was, was, was education. Cause when you, help people fall in love with this. It's in their blood and then they're going to want to help protect it. Right? They're going to become stewards. And you see it with Charlie. I mean, back when we were in the office, I mean, during lunch, Charlie would go out and he'd be, he'd, he'd be doing casting and shooting with anybody that, that wanted to come join him on the, on the back, back lawn. I mean, there, 
it's kind of fun. They're not that many places you get to go work where you, where you, where you're seeing that happen all the time, you know? It's definitely a perk of working at Orvis, being able to shoot and cast at lunch. <laughs> There's also, we also have, we also have ax throwing. If you want to get a little crazy, I haven't, have you done that, Charlie? I haven't done it yet. I've done it a couple times, but I'm a lot better at shooting than I am at throwing an ax. So I, so kind of along those lines, um, where do you guys see Orvis heading in the next, you know, five years? Charlie, you want me to go or you want to take it? Why don't you take, well, I have probably two different points of view on this one. So why don't you take the first half and then I'll take the second. All right. Um, next five years. Um, I don't want to reveal any secrets to you, Andrew, that are going to get me in trouble. Well, I guess for you, I will, but only you just don't let anybody else know about this. Um, uh, well, no, I think so. I'll, 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 I guess I'll kind of talk about it in more vague terms and then Charlie can give you a better answer. But what's, what's, what's very special about, um, about the opportunity for Orvis is that um, in ways it almost feels like it was kind of tailor-made for an opportunity that's sitting in front of us right now. Um, I think we like to think about who are the, who are the, who are the stakeholders of this company? And when we think of the stakeholders, it's, it's more than just the owners, right? Yeah. We, we love this. It, we, we love the fact that we get to, we get to think about fly fishing every day for work. Right. But, but when we think about the stakeholders who are really kind of invested, who can, who can gain value from this. It's, it's not just owners, it's our employees, it's customers, it's our partners, whether that's the independent fly shops, whether it's the outfitters, the lodges, the manufacturers, um, a natural resource is a stakeholder, right? And so I think, I think Orvis is in a position to really, I'll say, bring value, bring meaningful value to all those stakeholders, right? So we're on a run of cranking out some really exciting product, um, uh, whether it's product for customers and, you know, the next three years are going to be exciting, whether it's our, our network of those fly shops, outfitters and lodges, um, uh, uh, how do we, how can we help make their lives better and easier and let them do their thing? Cause they're special. Um, and how do we continue to show up for the natural resource? Um, that's kind of, I, I think, I think there are ways that Orvis can, show up for all those stakeholders in some in some really really compelling and exciting ways i don't know what what, what would you add charlie yeah I, I would say that i think i think orvis you know we do a lot right now you know we've got men's business we got a women's business dogs you know so i think that we have a lot of focus in a lot of different areas and i think um what I'm excited to help work on is have it all kind of go together more seamlessly and, and look like it's all out of like one collection right now. If you look at our, some of our men's products and then you look at some of our fishing products, it might not look like they're from the same company. Um, so one of the things I'm really trying to do is, is kind of bring everything a little bit closer together. What we've been calling, you know, one Orvis, you know, have everything kind of look like one brand coming together um, I think within that, um, it will allow us to probably come out with maybe a little bit more technical, uh, sports wear, everyday wear, um, you know, we can kind of, uh, 
bring bring some of our more traditional sportswear to be a little bit more cool, a little more contemporary, a little bit more like leading with what we're doing with fishing. Um, but I think you'll just see like I think we're putting a lot of investments into development and designs um, in our products. So I think you know that's that was the quick answer for me was you'll just see continuing of better and better product coming from us. Yeah, and and that's a really good point because. You know, at the core of everything we do is this love for fly fishing, love for wing shooting. And we, you know, like we said, it's it's this lifestyle that kind of we know that um, is meaningful to us and meaningful to a lot of people. And when you're in a position to put out product that can help inspire someone to pursue a passion or who knows, maybe it will change their life. Like that's a that's a that's a really special position to be in. And so, you know. It's awesome to see our teams, you know, we've always been really committed to making kick-ass product and our teams are leaning into making, you know, the fishing product that's going to be coming out in the next three years. I'm really excited about what we've put out the last three years. It's awesome and super, super excited for what's coming up too, right? So so to see to see the, the company going after product and brand at, at in the way they are, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's really, really cool to think how we can make this, this, this gear and this lifestyle even more aspirational and also even more attainable, which I, which I think, I think we're kind of set to, to go do. Yeah. And it's cool to see from afar too, Simon, just seeing the, the heritage of Orvis, right, from the, how many companies are in business still from 1856, right, to modern day uh, 2021, right? So it's cool to see that heritage brand being brought into the future by you and, and Charlie, right, um, especially. I think that's right, Andrew. And, you know, the way we've always looked at it is we're not celebrating, we're not doing a good job of celebrating our heritage or our history if we're not taking that same attitude to think about the next 160 years, right? Um, if we're just kind of sitting there, uh, just saying, oh, this is kind of cool. We've been around for a long time. That's not, that's just not kind of who we are. Like we, we kind of always have that drive, that curiosity, that passion to, to, to keep pushing. We have a, um, we kind of have this internal mantra that sometimes we throw around, which is, you know, how do we, how do we keep pushing ahead like we have from the very beginning, right? How do we, how do we try to strive to be ahead of our time? Like we have been since the 1850s. Um, and I think that's what just inspires and motivates us. Right. And what's awesome is when you have a network like ours with over 500 shops that sell Orvis stuff and over 300, uh, endorsed outfitters or lodges or guides that, that, that are a part of the Orvis family, you're, you're hearing stuff constantly, right? So, so the motivation that that's the, the inspiration we get is from all of them, all of our customers. I mean, you can't help, but just get caught up. It's kind of intoxicating, right? Cause it's always pushing you to, to go, to go do more and figure out what's next and how are you going to reinvent all this stuff again? Because again, that's how, the, that's why this whole thing started in the first place in the 1850s. Right. And so it's kind of cool to celebrate that pushing it forward. Yeah. yeah and kind of, kind of celebrating that too and pushing it forward for, I know you brought up your kid, Simon, um, and how you're kind of stewarding them along in their outdoor pursuit. Um, you know, kind of along those same lines for people like Joseph and, and others in the fibers program, right. Uh, that have aspirations to 
contributing to the outdoor lifestyle and brands such as Orbis. Uh, you know, what advice do you have for them to, to getting into the outdoor industry uh, and kind of pushing it forward from there? Um, yeah, we were, I, that's a really good question. I, I, when I get asked that, I always wish I had, you know, a, a better answer and some magic ball to rub that I could give everyone a job. Um, but I think, you know, I, we were thinking about this and I think it's, if you can just get your foot inside the door any way possible and start making connections, um, that's extremely helpful. And if that's, you know, getting an internship at one of the larger fishing companies or an internship at a smaller fishing company, or, um, you know, even working at, uh, at a shop, um, or is incredibly good experience to get, um, really knowing the customer, knowing kind of the, the companies that are out there. Um, I'm trying to think what else, um, so you have any things to add? No, I think you covered it again. Like there's, there's no wrong entry point. Don't, you don't need to worry about, you don't need to worry about um, getting it exactly right. There's no perfect answer and there's no wrong answer. Anywhere you can get in and meet people and get connected, get a foot in there. You're going to be learning stuff. You're going to, you're going to start building relationships. You're going to, you're, it, it, that's, that's the way to do it. And you start, you know, there's so much to, to learn from the pros or, shop staff or customer, if you can get in front of customers and in and around customers, that's how you, that's, that's one of the most helpful ways into it. And then, and then you can figure out what you want to do, right? Um, there's some, you know, do you want to be a guide? Well, guidings, I think about it, it's, you know, it's not about being a player. It's about being a coach. Do you love being a coach? If you don't, then don't go into guiding, but there are other things you can do within fly fishing that you love to do. So, but to Charlie's point, like just, um, find an entry point because it's going to give you a chance to, to, to run with it in some really cool ways. And, and you're going to, you know, I, I was listening to, uh, uh, I was listening to, to the Jared podcast earlier today um, uh, as far as what he's done with fly Lords, right. When he was on with you guys and he was, he was an intern at Orvis for, for one summer. Right. And, uh, and, and I'd like to think that he learned some stuff that maybe if, Maybe he'd tell you he didn't learn anything, but he was he was around all of us for a couple months and went on and did some crazy things, right? And so there are a lot of different examples. St. Char- Charlie and I got our foot in the door. You know, we were lucky to be born with a fly rod in our hands, but we really started learning when we were working for another outfitter, right? Raking pond scum or starting to guide or or bringing people's bags to their rooms, stuff like that. So um, uh, yeah, I, I, guess, I, was I guess the term is dog poop. You got the good jobs. Yeah, they made you pick up the dog poop. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's just the, um, just be open to all the different entryways. There are conservation, right? There's so many different ways into the sport, which is pretty cool. And there's no wrong answer. So when you find something, if it if it's intriguing, run with it, and and then can, you can kind of reassess after after year one. Yeah, that's some that's some really good advice. Um, and I think that people can also look back at what y'all did of going to work at lodges. And even when you were a child, like being on your hands and knees, picking up flies out of, um, out of the carpet, just no, no job is too, too small. And I think that, uh, you, 
you exemplify that point really well that you were born with a fly rod in your hand, but y'all weren't afraid to scrape the pond scum. You weren't afraid to pick up the poop and do all those little jobs that you might think are small and meaningless. But in the end, you gain experience and uh, gain knowledge from from things that you might not even think that would give it to you. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, the, the, the thing that's so cool about this sport is there's endless learning. There's, you can, there's endless learning from the resource. And then there's also endless learning from the people you meet within it, right. And the places you go. And I learned a ton standing there scraping, scraping pond scum because of the people I was around that I got to, that, that I got to listen to and learn from. And then the customers that would come and go and they'd share why this meant the world to them. I mean, you just, you, you, you don't even realize how much you're picking up the entire time. But no, I think, I think you're exactly right, Joseph. I don't know how much, Charlie, I assume you learned the same thing picking up dog poop, but I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, I did. Um, what I learned from the dog poop was more about like the connections that you make. No, but no, but more seriously, like once you get into, you know, you get into this, to the industry or wherever it may be, or if it's an, an if it's a lodge or wherever, I think also being very vocal and that like you want to grow and that you're interested in, in, in expanding and you have a lot of drive, I think is, is something that I've heard a lot of people to say, because there'll be certain people that, you know, they become a guide and they'll become a guide for life. And that's just kind of what they want to do. Um, I would say that a lot of people are out there to, that want to help. And if you do make it known that, you know, you want to make this a career and, and you, know, you want to go somewhere, I think more, you'll find more and more people reaching out to help you. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's one great thing. I'm going to pat five rivers back for, for us real quick of, um, it's so cool to see all these people and these students from around the country who, um, we've unified around conservation around love for fishing and support each other so well um and it's been really cool to meet like we've had heather on the podcast we've had jared on the podcast and we've had um we've had mateo and it's cool to see all these different people in the community that fly fishing brings you run into someone on the river and most of the time if they have a fly rod in your hand like i'm gonna go talk to that person and figure out what's up with them and how they've been doing and you end up sometimes making a really good friend out of those interactions. And I think it's really special. Um, and I think it's really cool how y'all have nurtured that, uh, with your brand at Orvis and all the things y'all are doing. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not, I'm not just saying it to say it, but it's the reason why we go to work every day. Right. It's, it's, I mean, Charlie and I spent a lot of years guiding and there's, yeah, it's, it's awesome to feel that the bend of the rod in your hand and to watch that fish jump, right? Don't get me wrong. I love it. It's really special to feel that through somebody else also, yeah. right? Put them on their first fish or you watch them experience for the same time, or maybe they're teaching you something that you didn't know. Um, and again, as, as a brand, we kind of get to, we kind of get to do that every day. That's what, that's what we show up to do for work. And it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's the best motivation you could, you could ask for. Totally. So, um, I want to give you all the quick opportunity to tell people about y'all's resources, um, that you have at Orvis for people and where they can find them and anything else that 
that y'all would want to want our listeners to uh, look into. Yeah, thanks, Charlie. You want to go or you want me to go? Yeah, I can start and then fill in because we have so many resources. I'll probably won't be able to touch on them all. Um, but uh, right now, if you go to our website, um, there should be a tab at the top called Explore. Um, and it's it kind of holds all of our, at least a gateway into a lot of our non-selling content. So there you'll see a bunch of videos and you'll see a lot of other resources where you can start exploring. Um, having said that, uh, our website may or may not get updated in the next, uh, in the next handful of months. Um, so it might get moved around a little bit. Um, but if you come to our website and, and you search, uh, and you search for, you know, uh, fly fishing one-on-one resources or anything else, you'll, you'll be able to find it there. Um, I think some of my favorite ones is we're, we're building out resources, uh, a, a more more than I kind of realized we were, but we're working on, you know, things for, for dogs. Um, we're kind of expanding it past fly fishing. Um, but, but yeah, I would say, I think the, the, my, some of my favorite resources are just, you know, listening to Tom's, uh, Tom's Facebook lives. And, and, you know, I think, I don't know if we touched on this, but I think Tom must've been live more than any other single person, even rivaling some, some, uh, some news reporters. Um, he was live so much through COVID and just trying to connect with people and entertaining and, you know, doing fly tying and passing his long, long resources. But I'd say YouTube is really one of my favorite kind of resources. Simon, add some. No, I think, I think, you know, and again, there are a lot. So, so if, if you're near a store, go in there, are free fly fishing classes there. If you, if you want to get introduced to it, if you're near, near an independent fly shop, a, a dealer, they're a great resource as well. We have our schools, everything from half-day schools to two-day schools to week-long schools to specialty schools at certain destinations. We have travel. We can help you book a trip. We can help you hook you up with the right person. There's the howtoflyfish.orvis.com. Um, uh, as far as just this online learning center, you can get lost in. Charlie mentioned it, the podcast, YouTube how-to content. Um if you, but if you go to that explore tab on the, on the website, you're, uh, I, I, I've, I'm leaving a ton out as well. You can, you can find a lot of that stuff and trust me, you can, you can get lost in it. Yeah. One of the other cool things that, um, the team thought of this year was, uh, remote fly or virtual fly casting instructions, um, taught by, you know, Pete and some other really great, uh, casters at Orvis. So that's something that they, they whipped up this year and it's actually a really, really fun experience. So um, that's awesome. Awesome. So y'all make sure to go check those things out. It was really great having you guys on, um, and getting to talk to you. Uh, thank you so much for coming. It was great. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Simon. Yeah. Yeah.